partly due to my own personality and partly having that been my experience when I created Vivid Performance Group and I looked at the tools and resources I was bringing in to my practice and I was going to uh, put into my hands, I looked for tools that were scientifically validated. Welcome to the HR L&D podcast, where we explore cutting edge HR trends and best practices with top leaders who are shaping the future of work. My name is Nick Day and I'm founder of JGA Recruitment Group, a specialist HR search firm. I'm also a qualified executive coach and a recognized HR thought leader listed on Thinkers360. Together, we're going to dive into topics from diversity and inclusion to technology, learning curation and employee experience to help you evolve your people and your development strategies. So whether you're a flourishing HR executive, a rising manager or a seasoned CHRO who's driving transformation, this podcast is for you. So grab your coffee and let's play. Hello and welcome back to the HR L&D podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO of JGA Recruitment Group, and we are specialist HR recruiters. Now, if you are an avid listener of this show, please, please, please do remember to share it with all of your human resources colleagues and friends. Together, we can really build the profile of people management and HR services across the globe. So please do subscribe, share away, And uh, today I'm bringing a really exciting guest who is an absolute expert in the world of human performance, because today we're joined by Kim Baker. She's founder and CEO of Vivid Performance Group, a human performance improvement company where she draws on her corporate background in management, training and human performance to help clients, employees, teams and leaders work better together. I think that last word together is absolutely key for today's show. Now, Kim achieves this through something she calls the business sandbox, because to quote Kim, employees get hired for what they know and do and fired for who they are and how they act. More on that a little bit later in the show. Now, Kim Baker is a certified Rainer Trust Building Implementer and 16 Conditions Advanced Practitioner, and her vision is to build a world where managers and leaders can create effective teams and then coach them to greatness. So that through her company, Vivid Performance Group, she can utilize her proven assessment, training, coaching, and facilitation methods to really reveal and develop individuals and teams so they can really maximize performance. So without further ado, please let me welcome Kim Baker, human performance expert to the HR L&D podcast. How are you feeling today, Kim? I'm great, Nick. So great to be with you. Thank you. Ah, really excited. It's, a, it's a, a subject I'm really passionate about when it comes to human performance. And I know our listeners will be as well. Before we jump into that, though, let me ask you our first question. Something I ask all of my guests on the show. What do the words human resources mean to you? They mean the total supportive environment that a company provides for humans. It's the actual tools. It could be benefits. Uh, clearly it could be meeting workers' needs uh, through training, development, intervention. Uh, But as I think about it in my work, human resources is that bucket that supports employees, teams, and leaders to work better together. Fantastic. I know that it's employees, teams, and leaders that you work with. So let's let's take this into the world of performance then. We know that the HR directors and HR managers listening to this, they will also know that Improving the people in our business can often be the most solid sort of mechanism or route to solid growth, right? We know that if we can maximize our people, we can maximize performance. 
But where's our starting point? In your experience, where would you start from when it comes to maximizing the human in performance? Sure, sure. Well, first of all, you know, I always say begin with the end in mind. Uh, what is the desired outcome? What are you trying to fix? What are you trying to achieve, right? Um, I have a background in training and development. And when we would uh, set out to create the training, we always started with understanding what was the performance we needed to achieve, right? And in some situations, you're working um, across the organization and you have to align the talent, uh, the workforce, roles, et cetera, with the business need, with, let's say, that's the strategy. Now, let's say that you're in a situation where you're working one-on-one -on -one with an individual. Uh, maybe it's a situation where it's an intervention, they're underperforming. Maybe it's a situation where they're actually considered high potential or an emerging leader, right? Sure. Regardless, um, I subscribe to the development pipeline, and it's kind of a five-phase um element, if you will. And it starts with an idea, right? That something needs to change. And then the five phases are insight. So does the employee uh, know that something needs to change? The next one we would look at, we would say, does the employee have the motivation? You know, are they willing to put in the time, effort, and energy? Then do they have the capabilities? So this is skills, right? And capabilities are groups of skills, if you will, right? So it could be, um, do they have, let's say somebody we're looking at for high potential, you know, do they seem to have what we might consider the interpersonal skills, you know, their capabilities because interpersonal skills, you know, they're numerous. Uh, are they going to have real world practice, right? So if um, a leader or a manager would come to me and say, you know, I, we've got an employee and we want to see these behaviors change. One of the questions I always ask is, what does success look like? How will you measure it? Are you involved? You know, will you be monitoring? Uh, because that's really important. And then accountability, that's that last phase. Because if the employee doesn't have accountability, if the manager or leader isn't held accountable um, for this performance improvement, you're missing a key part in it. So there's insight, motivation, capabilities, the real world practice, and then accountability. So we start with an idea, we put it through this pipeline, right? And if that's done well, then we have this desired human performance. Nice. And sometimes we determine that employee just isn't the right fit, you know, but that's the beauty of the pipeline. That's the beauty of following a standardized process. Sure. I love this. It speaks to uh, to my world of uh, talent management and recruitment. So, you know, I, I can see a lot of the uh, the logic behind this. And what I loved, actually, is thinking about your background specifically and the fact that you are a qualified and certified coach and different things is you start with insight. And for anyone that's involved in coaching or trying to develop a coaching culture, we know that coaching is about building awareness. Awareness, of course, then often triggers certain insights. And we have those insights, we hope that they will give us the motivation to improve or to change. And then we can look at some of the things you talk about in that journey, which is things like capability, real life experience, and of course, accountability, which is so important because if you've got all the insights, but we don't make ourselves accountable to them, they kind of get left left aside, right? We don't always, we don't always act upon them. Now, I know as Vivid Performance Group, you pride yourselves on what you call scientifically validated methodologies and real world work experience. And you do that to reveal and develop team abilities uh, by working best together in something you call the, the business sandbox. 
just wondered because I found it absolutely fascinating, Kim, doing my research here into the business sandbox and into your scientific methodologies. If you could bring them to life for our audience, tell us a little bit about what that business sandbox is and more importantly, I guess, how you utilize that to really reveal those abilities. Because we know working in HR, if we can access where the abilities sit and what they are, then we can really help maximize performance. Great question. Thank you. So I'll share with you how I got to speaking about the business sandbox. Um, I found early on when I founded Vivid Performance Group, and I, I came from a background of running training and development for a medical device company um, and had global uh, impact as well within that role. And what I found when I uh, started my own company that I kind of struggled to explain easily what I was doing when I was working or talking with people who really didn't play in this space of HR, human performance improvement, things like that. So I used to say, you know, I help people play better in the sandbox at work. And then people would smile and nod their head because they totally got it. You know, they would go back to like being five years old and playing in the sandbox, you know, at school uh, or the local playground and you'd meet different types of individuals there, right? So it just was really natural then to speak about that. Um, so when I talk about uh, science-backed, real-world proven, I have a background, uh, like I said, of running training and development for a medical device company. I got into that role because I was actually, through the years, a sales rep in medical diagnostics and medical device uh, was a rep in the operating room, giving technical instruction to surgeons and uh, other staff. And what I found was that if any of your listeners have ever dealt with being a salesperson, uh, calling on surgeons or physicians or other STEM type specialties, uh, what I found is when I would share information on my product, um, the surgeon, hey, well, that's great. Kim, but show me the data. Where's the data? Where's the clinical data that tells me this is going to work on my in my patient and I will achieve these outcomes? And partly due to my own personality and partly having that been my experience when I created Vivid Performance Group and I looked at the tools and resources I was bringing in to my practice and I was going to uh, put into my hands, I looked for tools that were scientifically validated, um, meaning they're validated and reliable. Validated just means that it's accurate, right? If we say we're measuring something, then we can actually prove we're measuring it. Um, if it's reliable, it just means that the results will tend to be consistent. If we were to take somebody and have them take an assessment today, if they take the same assessment later this week or next week or in a month, the results should essentially be the same. Right. Are so we, that's what we mean by valid and reliable. Go ahead. Are we, are we talking about things like EQ assessments um, or, you know, things like disk profiling or whatever it is that because this is very much in the vocabulary of, of the HR professional. Right. A lot of it, lots of yes. certified psychometric testers in various different psychometric assessments that exist out in the real world. Is that what you're referring to when you talk? Absolutely. About okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, um, when I am doing um, pre-hire selection, high potential identification, working with leaders in transition. So many times it's it's in the organization and they've been promoted or they're at some inflection point where let's say uh, they have a new team, they've just been promoted, uh, there's a merger and acquisition going on. Something's happening in that for that leader that's what we call that inflection point, right? Um, and so there we can use assessments as well. My go-to is Hogan. 
Um, they are the leaders globally in workplace personality. Um, love it. Um, as I say to folks, um, we, we can, through the Hogan, especially looking at these derailing behaviors that they uncover, um, I can at the forefront tell you why you might eventually regret you hired this, or you hired this person or you might eventually need to send them to coaching uh, for intervention or why you might eventually actually have to fire them, you know, so we can help uncover that. But you brought a, a question to my mind because I see a lot of um, really, really great professionals. They're experts at what they do in their job and they get promoted into management or leadership roles due to their capabilities in the role that they do, but not necessarily because of their capabilities in leading others or managing others. In fact, they may have never managed or led others before and suddenly they find themselves in a supervisory or management role due to their capabilities in the role that they're delivering. And actually, that's sometimes where a lot of problems can start to exist. That individual was looking for progression. They, maybe they were excelling in their role in, if we use medical, selling medical devices, for example, they, they, they're hitting top numbers. So the next logical step would be to promote that individual maybe into a sales manager role. But actually, that's where a lot of the problems can start because they may be good at selling medical equipment, but leading others is a whole different skill set. And we can have great managers and poor salespeople, and, and we can have great managers and great salespeople, and we can also have great salespeople and poor managers. Do you, do in your experience working with teams, I know you work with, with many different sectors in entertainment, financial services, and so on. It's not just obviously the medical world. But do you find that's a problem you come across a lot? And can some of this these validated methodologies help unpick or even help senior leaders decide on actually who have the right capabilities to make those kind of natural progressions? Uh, resoundingly, enthusiastically, emphatically, yes. <laughs> These right. tools are, are fantastic for identifying key traits that we see in successful senior executives, successful high potential. Um, and we can identify not only um, where they their strengths may lie, but also where there may be some derailing behaviors, as I mentioned. So these things that could get in their way in terms of being able to manage people or relationships. Um, and sometimes they're to such a degree that it will actually, these can derail careers. Um most folks are probably not aware, but when we look at a leader in transition, so this is a people manager who's going through any kind of change, which I kind of alluded to earlier, but the failure rate is around 40 to 60%. So wow. it's significantly mm -hmm. high. And there actually are a couple key things that um, leaders in transition can do and there's support network can do to help set them up for success. One of them though, is before, let's say if it's a newly hired leader or a newly promoted leader is making sure that from a traits perspective, you know, we're going to assume they have the capabilities, the quote unquote technical capabilities. But when we look at these other traits, uh, first and foremost, assess them and be assured that they fit it within the general profile that we find. Um, and any good assessment provider is going to give you, you know, what looks like the ideal profile. Companies that are very, very, very large will have budgets to actually have customized profiles done, but in a very psychometrically sound way. Uh, but for small organizations who don't have, you know, the need um, and or the budget, there are fantastic assessment providers that, you know, provide that. Um, and, and we've talked about teams too. Um, the other thing that's really important 
important is assessing the team. So that leader uh, who's, you know, in this transition at this inflection point, they need to understand who their team is. And there are different types of assessments that can be done um, that you can learn about that. Um, I have a client that's in the M&A space. And when they are looking at acquiring another organization, um, we do psychometric assessments on the leadership team. Um, and we look at them individually and we look at them as a team to understand exactly who they are. Um, in an organization where a leader's coming in, you know, or in that transition phase, they can learn about the psychological or the personality profile of a team, can also learn about how well the team is um, performing, um, how well it's actually designed and structured for performance. So there's a lot of different and great assessments we can do on teams as well. Fabulous. So if I'm, a, I'm an HR manager, HR director listening to this now and thinking, okay, I'd like to uh, to bring in, let's say the, the, the team type assessment you mentioned there, dipping into your business sandbox, picking out a, a team-based assessment to, to understand my, my team better, to understand their capabilities better. Let's say I get I get met with a lot of resistance to that. And sometimes not everyone's bought into, say, psychometrics. Some people just don't like assessments, right? So you're going to get some potentially some resistance within a team, but perhaps take it a level further. What if I'm an HR director listening to this and I think, you know what, right now I've joined a new business and there's a lot of toxicity in the workplace. There's a lot of things that people aren't happy with. It's it's you know, we want to have a great positive culture, right? But that's not always what we walk into. So what do we do in that situation where we are met with resistance and there is toxicity in the workplace? What would you recommend? Wow, that's that's going to be a big hill to climb if somebody's new into the business, right? Um, that can be the benefit, though, because you have fresh eyes and fresh ears. Sure. So if, if an HR leader is seeing widespread toxicity, at this point, we're, we're looking at the culture, right? Um, in organizations, you will find subcultures, especially... Uh, when you have organizations where people are distributed around the world, let's say, and in different divisions or functions, yeah. right? So subcultures are really, really common. If, however, that HR leader is finding it across the organization, now, now you have to look at the culture of the organization. It's interesting when we look at uh, workplace toxicity, if we look at um, how we inadvertently create bullies. Let's say we look at three things. First of all, the individual, because there's individual personality types and traits that are more likely to bully others. Sure. We look at the situation and we look at the system. So in this case, it's the organization. And um, some organizations promote that behavior. And, and I think we used to see that a lot more with the command and control and the hero yeah. leaders. Um, we don't, now I see it uh, certainly, uh, my perspective on some of this is that we're seeing more of this, uh, A, because we have more remote work and um, the workplacebullying.org, um, this is .org out of the United States, um, they found in their 2021 survey that there was a greater number of individuals in the remote environment who said they were bullied uh, versus the hybrid or in office. Um, so there are and there was about 25% increase in reported bullying um, through the, the COVID, we'll say, you know, the, the 2021, right? Have you ever asked yourself, how can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? 
please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. One thing comes to mind here is microaggressions and gaslighting. And I think that perhaps in your command and control culture that you just referenced there, it was maybe a little bit more obvious and you can kind of spot the bullies a little bit easier maybe because of the way that they were managing others. But I think since that we've moved into what is more, or people try to move into what is more of a coaching culture, I think we're seeing a little bit more manipulation going on. It's a little bit more subtle in the way that people are made to feel at work. And I think that can also, if it doesn't breed toxicity, it can certainly encourage anxiety. But what do you think is typically driving toxicity in the workplace or driving this this new way of, of managing that isn't necessarily healthy for the individuals? And do you, you mentioned COVID as well. Do you think COVID had an effect on that and the way that people, you know, in, in, in terms of this coming more prevalent in the workplace at the moment? Yes, yes, I absolutely do. Boy, I'm going to unpack that a little bit, Nick. And if I miss any key parts, please uh, bring me back. So number one is, um, let me, um, for listeners, let's define when when I talk about toxicity in the workplace, if we talk about a toxic culture, um, looking into the literature, it's typically defined as a workplace where there's incivility, harassment, ostracism, and um, bullying, right? So bullying tends to be a bit of its, you know, we, we can kind of tease that out um, as we've kind of alluded to. And you'll find that if you're looking at more of the academic literature, there'll be some crossovers, right? But essentially it's harassment, ostracism, incivility, and bullying, right? When we think about how do you define a toxic culture? Because again, if we're going to talk about this, we all need to have the same shared understanding. Sure. And certainly if you want to look at any data around it, those definitions and terms have to be um, in existence and known by all. So let's, um, this has been so fascinating to me. Attachment theory, I'm going to get a little um, in the psychological space, but sure. because your listeners are HR uh, focused, this is uh, going to make sense to them. So attachment theory has to do with generally the sense that we all want to be part of a social group and be part of the tribe, so to speak, right? Now, back in the 60s, some studies done looking at attachment and three types were defined, secure attachment, avoidant, and anxious. Some studies were done with infants and mothers observing when mom was with baby, left, came back, right? So why am I sharing this with you? Well, fast forward, In our workplace, when we had essentially Gen X, millennials, or excuse me, Gen X, baby boomers and traditional, we were about 60% secure attachment, right? With the addition of Gen Z and millennials, we have about 40%. Now, what does that mean? That means that there's more of us in our workplace today that are either anxious or avoidant, right? So anxious, anxiety, avoidant, you know, um, not partaking, pulling away, right? So that's an interesting data point. Now, let's talk about COVID. Now I'm going to switch over. I'm going to talk about personality. Again, because this is primarily HR 
audience probably familiar with the five-factor model of personality, right? So openness, agreeableness, extroversion, extroversion, neuroticism, conscientiousness, right? So I like the the acronym OCEAN. So open, conscientious, extroversion, agreeableness, neuroticism, okay? So what we found during COVID is that the 30 and younger became less agreeable, less conscientious, more neurotic. What we don't know is if that is going to continue. There's been approximately uh, at least three studies that I know of, and this actually hit the mainstream press, I believe worldwide, right? So some of your uh, listeners might be shaking their head like, yeah, I read about that. So what we at least know we're dealing with today tend to be, at least in the under 30, and and I really wish the uh, researchers had put this into generations because we tend to really speak in generations, but they went with like young adult, middle, you know, and uh, older adult when in their cutoffs. So 30 and younger is going to be a combination of Gen Z and some millennials, more anxious. So this is more anxiety, more nervousness, you know, neuroticism, as we would say, they're less agreeable. Oh, maybe this is some more of that toxicity, right? And then less conscientious. I'm hearing a lot about poor work, uh, quality, quantity. Maybe this is what is attributing to people who take a job and then just don't show up, right? Or the ghosting, you know? Um, So there's, there's definitely been a change. Now, to give this some significance, our personality, over the 40 years, let's say that we're working, changes very little. Overall, when we get older, we're more conscientious, we're more agreeable. We might be a little less open. You know, we tend to be a little bit more set in our ways, right? We just, we do tend to be more mellow. Um, Age group I talked about, this 30 and younger, their personality in two years changed to the degree we see typically in 10, right? So if in our workplaces, we are feeling like we've just been whacked with a change in personality and behavior and interpersonal issues. We have been. I mean, to have that kind of a sea change, really it is, if you think about it, in 10 years, what typically would happen in 10 years, we've seen in two. And when I talk about change, I'm just talking about deviation changes. Sure. It went in the negative way. Because as I said, as we get older, we tend to become a little bit more agreeable and become more conscientious. Right. So um, there is really something there. And I have seen more and more in in private networks that I'm part of through some groups. I've seen more and more uh, questions regarding now your your folks, when they hear this will cringe. um, But these are questions that are poised by people. uh, And and these are people from the United States. But these are going to be poised, posed by people who don't have a real background in this, but they want to know, well, can I do screening to make sure that when I hire somebody, they don't have an addiction or a mental health issue, et cetera. And of course, in the States, United States, of course not. We have our Americans with Disabilities Act, right? You cannot do that. So, but there is such a concern in the workplace. Happy to see all that's happening, certainly with the mental health and the well-being. Um, We know that in environments where there is a focus on employee support and mental health and well-being, that the cultures are less toxic. That makes sense. I mean, one thing, you, you mentioned a word there, which 
it's really surprised me post pandemic. This has never happened to me before ever. And it's happened more than once, which when I work in the talent space where we help people get new jobs, they come to us and we'll, we'll you know, try and try and find a new position in the world of HR. And we've had candidates ghost us who've come to us saying we need a position right down to we get them and even an offer in some occasions. And after they've secured an offer, have completely disappeared off the face of the planet. And it's so strange. Like I've done this for 20 years. That's never happened where we got to someone that, at that stage of the process who then you know, decline a position by all means. Not a problem. If there's something not right for you, not a problem. It happens every day. But to just disappear and not return calls or messages or emails when you're at that stage of a process, when everyone's been committed to a process, where you've been attending interviews and hiring managers have been involved and so on and so forth, to then just disappear. Um, and I think that touches upon some of the acronyms in the ocean, right? Maybe it's because they have become anxious, but it's 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 something that's been new to us in, in the world of recruitment. And it's um, I think you've you've touched upon a lot of those things in that in that uh, uh, very de- detailed explanation there of of maybe why we're seeing some of the things we are in in the world of talent that relates to HR in particular. But um, it's been a it's been a learning journey for us as consultants, certainly seeing how the behaviours have changed post pandemic, uh, particularly in relation to you know, the, the demographics you mentioned there in, in terms of the millennials and Gen Z and so on. So, yeah, it's been really, really interesting. But I guess the question I've got to come back to you then, Kim, is what what, what should leaders or managers do to, to lessen or even prevent it? You know, is, is mm-hmm. this, 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 this new style of, of management, I, I, well, I guess it needs a new style of management or, or does it? Yeah, well, there are a couple of things you can do. One is, one is first of all, um, become very aware of who you're hiring through assessments, right? So, you know, I'm going to make it very clear when I talk about how to use the Hogan, this is, this is for normal personality. This is not at all for abnormal personality. We are not screening for anything clinical, right? In these derailing behaviors, I, we can detect if somebody may tend to go to reserved. We can detect if somebody may go to what we call bold, right? And in some of these, so uh, individuals who go to the bold, it could start to look like um, traits of narcissism, right? Um, aggression, uh, blaming others, right? So there are ways that we can, looking at the constellation of an individual, get an idea of they might have some behaviors that may not play well in our organization. So many assessments uh, like DISC is never going to get to that. Uh, there's only a couple that it, in the United States that are um, proven to not create disparate impact. Sure. Uh, but, you know, there's only just a few that really uncover those types of traits that could be, like I said, the reason that you regret you hired somebody or you need to get them coaching or fire them. Now, first of all, that's what you can do. The other thing is, and looking at the leader, um, And that can be a really tough one because if it's your business owner, if it's a senior leadership team that themselves has a toxic culture in their leadership team, and then they spread it downward, um, that's a real challenge. Awareness is the first thing. And your biggest challenge is going to be if it's the environment, uh, the culture that's created by the leaders. You know, when I work with uh, privately held companies um, that the owners are still actively in the business to a T we see that the culture reflects the leader and or owners of the business. Right. So it's the awareness. Um, If you have a particular 
individual who is toxic in your organization, the development pipeline is really key for them. Um, the inside of what they need to develop. Um, and if, if this isn't the leader, right, you know, the, the highest leader, if they need to be given feedback, they need to be given very clear expectations, they need to be given boundaries, and very specifically told what behavior is not acceptable, what has to change, how we'll know if it's changed. And that's really important because at that point, you should be bringing in a coach. Um, and and I've had one situation where I was asked to come in and the individual, I felt the behavior was so significant that they needed a therapist. And I'm not a licensed therapist, right? Yeah, sure. You know, so I have had to do that. Um and and with those individuals, um, the more I the more derailing behaviors I see, the longer I know it's going to take. Um, and you know, there are different ways that I deal with somebody who may present as like a narcissist versus somebody who presents as very passive aggressive, sure. right? Sure. I'm going to work with them very, very differently. Uh than the bold, let's say, uh who might be characterized by others as a narcissist. The last thing I'm going to do is call them directly on their behavior. Um, it's more of them coming to that awareness. The passive aggressive, it's the opposite. We have to really call them out on it, right? Um, but this is where using a coach really comes in. I can tell you that I've been brought in with clients to a client who described to me as passive aggressive, actually digging into their results. They're not truly... Um, showing up in a passive aggressive profile, it's a constellation of other behaviors that look like that. So again, that's why you rely on, you know, an expert. Well, well, well while we're talking about leaders, I read an article that you published quite recently, and I'll, I'll make it available on your website for those interested in the show notes. There'll be a link there straight through to vividperformancegroup.com. But you wrote an article where you said within that article, and I quote, you said, leaders must become learners. Tell me more about that. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So um, one of the things I'm so passionate about is really differentiating what it is to have knowledge and what it is to be able to do something with it. So I encounter frequently business owners and leaders who are just voracious consumers of information. Now, they don't tend to do anything with it. So a lot doesn't change, but they seem to pat themselves on the back because I learn a lot. Well, I use the term learning leader because in my space, um, what we mean is that having experience, you learn from it and you change. So in the article, I talk about um, taking the time to actually pause and reflect on something that's happened and learn from it and then apply it. So um, if your listeners are familiar with... Um, before action review, after action review, to call sure. them the, the bar and the R, right? Those are fantastic and they're super simple. And I've even personally adapted them to be used with um, external facing teams. Like, you know, when I was doing a kickoff with my marketing company, uh, we used this. So it's taking the time to actually learn from experiences. Um, what I see many times is leaders making the same mistake over and over again. And is what do they say? Expecting a different outcome, right? Was that yeah, Einstein or somebody attributed yeah, with that? <laughs> um, well, it's a bit like reading a book. Yeah. There's no point in having a bookshelf full of books 
if you if you aren't going to you know and, and then reading everything on that bookshelf if you don't learn and apply the knowledge that you acquire from the reading right so um you know you're no brighter than the next person who's read none of those books if you if, if you don't act on anything that you've learned so I, I i can totally understand where you're coming from it's making sure that the learning that you put people through really lands so that they can they can become better leaders right Yes, yes. And it, and it's interesting because um, people can have a high interest in learning, but for different motivations. So some people will learn, love to learn for the sake of learning. And it could be those people who really don't do much with it. And then you have people who um, learn uh, and love to learn, but it's very functional. It's very purposeful, right? So um, I'm like that. You know, when I'm learning, it's about my business. It's about something to improve my business. Um, I have a friend who loves to learn for the sake of learning, learns about things that they'll never use in their personal life or professional life, but really loves to learn. So sure. um, well, very just, different. Just focus on that business piece. We're going to open the HR and Vault in just a moment. But I think um, before we do, I wonder if you could just tell our listeners, because we are, you know, we're, we're reaching out to HR professionals, HR, HR leaders who I'm sure will be absorbing this content. Will be very familiar with psychometric testing. Very familiar with, hopefully, maximizing the performance of their teams. If you could just bring to life what Vivid Performance Group do, and if anyone is therefore interested in engaging with your business, they can uh, they can reach out to you through the show notes. Where I will, of course, keep that that URL for people to to access. Absolutely. Thank you. Sure. So as I like to say, I help employees, teams, and leaders work better in the business sandbox. And I do it through assessments, training, coaching, facilitation, and workplace mediation. Um, so essentially, people come to me with basically two different questions. One is, how can I fix XYZ? Can you help me fix XYZ? Right. So a lot of times it's people or teams doing too much of what we don't want them to do or too little of what we want them to do. Um, the other thing that people will come to me for is, hey, I think I need this type of assessment or I think I need this type of intervention. Do you offer it, right? So in other words, some people come to me with a problem, help me fix it. Can you help me fix it? How would you do it? And then others come and say, hey, I think I got the solution. Can you help me with that? And then, of course, you know, sometimes there's the hybrid too. Hey, I got this problem. This is what I think I need to do to fix it. What do you think? Um, was, do you take them through that same process, that insight first, you know, raising that awareness, motivation, capability, real world uh, practice and, and accountability piece? Is that the same kind of model you would give someone coming to you as well? Oh, so if somebody is, so if somebody's coming to me for an inquiry, um, can I help them? Uh, we have a whole discovery phase that we would take them okay. through. But if somebody is now working with us, um, whether it's as an individual or a team, absolutely, we take them through that development pipeline. We actually do have our own team model um, that gets a little bit deeper in terms of how the team leader interacts with them, their stakeholders, the system, um, because teams are in a system. Sure. Um, so, yeah, that's right. that's essentially it. We help with hiring selection, identifying the right individuals. Um, one of the things we absolutely love to do is help design and structure a team for high performance. Um, we do that by how we assess and get the right individuals in the team, but also how the team's work is structured and its environment. Um, nice. I love doing that as well. 
Yeah. Nice. Well, of course, anyone wants to find out more, do go to vividperformancegroup.com. We're going to open the HR L&D vault. Here we have three short, sharp questions for you, Kim. Uh, the first is this. If you could give one piece of advice to the world, what would it be? Know who you are. If you have the opportunity, what advice would you give a younger you just starting out in this new world of work? I'm going to say it's the same. Know who you are. I, I have learned so much more about me through a couple of the assessments that are my go-tos. And I wish I would have had this when I was in my 20s. And I certainly wish I would have had this knowledge about me when I was managing. Know sure. who you are. Yeah, no, it's, it's sound advice. I don't think there's anything wrong with mentioning that twice. Uh, and last but not least, what is the guiding principle or behavior you've seen in every great leader that you've worked with? Humility. It really is the ability to say, I screwed up. I was wrong. I could have done better. You can probably do better. It's really interesting. I ask this question of all my guests and uh, it's typically either humility or empathy that we get back as a response. I think both are equally valid. Um, but it's, it's, it's great. The collection of responses we've had now, they kind of fill, fill either one bucket or the other. Um, and it's, uh, it, it's very different to the response we probably would have got five years ago, you know, when it was very much still in the world of command and control. And I think that's a, okay. a really positive sign of the progression that we're seeing in the world of leadership and management. So yeah, fantastic response in, in my opinion. And so people do want to connect with you, uh, Kim, they want to find out more. I've mentioned vividperformancegroup.com being your main website. There will be a link directly through to that website in the show notes. So click straight through. There's a number of resources there. It's well worth having a look at. There's loads of information to take down, including some of the articles I referenced in today's show. So do check that out if you can. Um, you're happy for me to share your LinkedIn profile as well for those that wish to connect? Absolutely. Fantastic. And of course, if you are an HR or L&D professional listening to this podcast and you have an HR related vacancy that you would love some specialist niche HR recruitment support with, then please do get in touch with myself or any of my wonderful team. We're here to show you what a great HR recruitment experience can feel like. And you can reach me directly at nick at jgarecruitment.com or give us our, our team a call on 0044-1727-800-377. Just leaves me to say thank you so much to Kim Baker for joining me today to give us a fantastic exploration into the world of human performance, psychometric testing, and toxicity in the workplace. I hope you've all found it as useful and as a enlightening and uh, and uh, yeah i guess it's really raised my awareness on the subject so thank you so much kim for joining with your fantastic knowledge on the subject it's been a pleasure thank you nick it's been a pleasure to speak with you me too and i look forward to bringing you the next episode of the hr lnd podcast real soon thank you that's it for today's episode of the hr lnd podcast i hope you found this discussion informative and thought-provoking and that it gave you actionable insights to help you drive your hr agenda forward Please remember to subscribe to the show so you never miss a future episode. And I'd also love to hear from you. So if you enjoyed this show, please do leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback helps me to ensure I can continue to bring you the topics and guests that matter most to you. Oh, and don't forget to share this show with your colleagues and fellow HR leaders as well. The more we spread the word, the more we can grow our community of HR professionals who I know are all as dedicated to driving the future of work forward as I am. Thanks, of course, for tuning in. My name is Nick Gay. Please do look me up on LinkedIn and send me a connection request. It would be great to get connected. In the meantime, I look forward to bringing you the next episode of the HR L&D podcast real soon.